The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. Welcome to the second part of our What's Your Story series. We've got an incredible story to share with you today. But first, I want to welcome those tuning in online. Glad that you guys are joining us today. And of course, shout out to Cooper City Campus and my mom. Hi, mom. Good to see you as well. I got to do that as well. You might be wondering why she's at the Cooper City Campus. Well, because my siblings are are over there. So now we all know who the favorite siblings are, right? So, <laughs> hey, we got an incredible story, and this is one that's very near and dear to my heart because it's about a friend of mine named Matt. And he's someone that I've gotten to know over the last couple years, and he was actually one of the groomsmen in my wedding. But one of the things that's always greatly inspired me about Matt is not necessarily his faith and how he lives it out, because he does do that in a way that's remarkable, as you will hear in just a moment, but the way he also shares his faith. This is a man that he lives his faith out, and he shares it so courageously and so openly, and I think that's always stuck out to me because that's something that I felt like I'm weak in at times, that at times I feel like I'm insecure or I lack the courage to share my faith. I'm reminded of a story uh, when I was back in Peru, this was in college, I was on a missions trip, and we were in Cajamarca, if you're familiar with the area, and our plans got canceled for the day. And so we were like, well, what are we going to do? We're going to take the city for Christ, of course. So we decided to hit the city square and just go and spread the gospel and share our faith. And I kind of closed up in my shell and fear and insecurity. And as I went and talked to people and got rejected, I slowly got more and more into my shell. But then over on the horizon, there was this hill. Now, I'm from South Florida, so to me, that, that was a mountain, right? But there was this hill that had a cross on top of it that people often go to because it's got this beautiful view of the city. And so we said, all right, let's Let's go up that mountain, let's hike up the the hill, and on the way we can share our faith. And so we're walking up the, the, the mountain. On the way there, there was this marketplace that we passed through, a bunch of people trying to sell us things, and this one lady in particular stood out because she was trying to sell us water. Now, if you don't know me, I'm a bit of a germaphobe, and the waters looked like they had been resealed, it was sketchy, and so we're like, no, thank you, I'm sorry, we've got our own waters, and we kept going through. And about halfway up this hike of this hill, um, this lady showed up again, and I'm looking at her, and I'm looking down, and I'm like, "Uh, ma'am, do you have a twin or something? Like, how did you get up here? And she's like, oh, no, that was me. Would you like some water? I said, man, I'm, I'm sorry, we've got water, we're good, thank you so much, I appreciate it, and we keep going. And then on the way up, we turn around and realize she's following us. And I'm looking at her like, man, I don't know whether to be annoyed or impressed at this lady's business skills, like following a group of people going up a mountain with water. That's clever. So we get up to the top of the mountain, and again, she asks us, hey, do you want some water? And I say, ma'am, I'm sorry, we've got water, we're good. Thank you so much, though. And I, at that moment, got a little bit convicted because I realized the only reason why I didn't do what I set out to do in the first place and sharing my faith with her was because of fear. And not only just fear, but even annoyance 
that she's following us around and trying to convince us to do something to give her money. I got, I got annoyed and I realized, man, I really lack a lot of courage in sharing my faith. And maybe that's because I don't really even know how to share my faith. What's interesting is to look at scripture and while yes, you see people hitting the town square and spreading the gospel and sharing their faith, yes, you see that. There's also another way that you see very clearly in the Gospels, a way in which they share their faith, and that was through sharing their story. In fact, that was a, a prominent way in which Jesus would encourage people to share their faith by just going and sharing their testimony, what they've experienced, what they've encountered with Jesus, and how he has turned their life upside down. There's a passage I want to turn to very quickly today. It's just one verse. We're going to read it. It's in Revelation chapter 12, and it's going to be on the screen for you. It says this, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. We're stepping into a moment where Satan himself has been cast out of heaven down onto earth. And his soul agenda, his reason for existence now is to make sure that anyone and everyone's relationship with God is cut off. He wants to see no relationship between humanity and God. And he lives up to his name, and the way he does so is by being the accuser. He seeks to remind us of our sins and our failures to keep us locked up in that guilt and shame. But here in verse 11, we read how we overcome the enemy. It's first by the blood of the lamb. What's the blood of the lamb? Well, the blood, a sacrifice of the lamb, something that's been sacrificed, and the perfect lamb at that in Jesus. It's alluding to, it's speaking of the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins, past, present, and future. He took all of them up on the cross with him, all of our guilt and shame, and died a brutal death. And what Satan, what the enemy would have looked at as the greatest victory, the savior of the world hanging up on that cross, God redeemed. He did a complete 180 and made it his greatest victory. Where three days later, Jesus would rise again from the grave, conquering sin and death itself. And now he's seated at the right hand of God up in heaven. And he promises us through faith in him, we can experience eternal life as well. And secondly, it's through not just the blood of the lamb, but the word of our testimony. You see, God's promises, he tells us he's going to play out the gospel narrative in your lives as well. That he seeks to redeem everything that the enemy would look at in your life and say, that's my victory. God says, no, that's actually going to end up being mine. And I'm going to use that, and I'm going to do a mighty thing through that person in that very thing that the enemy seeks to use. It's the gospel played out in our lives. And lastly, it says, for they loved not their lives even unto death. It reminds us that we have given our lives to Christ, that our lives are no longer our own. So why do we share our stories? Why do we share our testimonies? Well, first and foremost, it points people to Christ. Our very story is the gospel. And therefore, our story, our testimony has great power. And it plays itself out, not just outside the church, but inside the church as well. 
When we go outside the church, we share our story and we tell people how Jesus has turned our life upside down and how they can then as well experience that. We share our testimony, we share our story, but then also within the church as well. Here, sharing our stories amongst each other. There's great power in that. We live in a day and age where with technology and the internet, we can look at just how broken and sinful our world is on a day-to-day basis. But when we share our stories and how God is actively at work and moving in your life with each other, man, that reminds us that God is moving. He is at work, not just in my life, but in the people around me, and that he is at work and he is moving at City Rev, and that he is at work and he is moving in South Florida and all of the world. God is still working. He is still moving. So when we share our testimonies with each other, it strengthens our faith. It encourages us. It brings us joy to see and hear how God is actively working. And secondly, it reminds us of the gospel. When we share our testimony, when we share our story, it reminds us ourselves of all the things that God has done in our lives and that he continues to do. It strengthens our faith as well. It brings us to a place of, man, God, I forget how much you've done and how much I've changed through you. And it brings us back to a place of thanksgiving and encouragement and it gives us that peace and that joy that we're promised all throughout scripture. And so as we're listening to my friend Matt's story, my prayer is two things. One, that you would be encouraged. You would be encouraged by his story and that it would strengthen your faith and bring you joy. And that secondly, it would inspire you. That it would inspire you to also actively share your story and your testimony with those not just outside the church, but inside the church as well. So go ahead and draw your attention to the screens. I received a phone call at work uh, that was terrifying. We just threw ourselves into the Lord's arms. I was in a dark place before I started working with Matthew, and I didn't know how to speak to people. I came to know Christ through Matthew, and so did my good friend Whitney. Ready, bro? Matt was uh, someone I met while I was looking for a job desperately as an 18-year-old. And I, I wanted to make some type of headway, passing out resumes wherever I could, and not much on it as an 18-year-old, you know. Um, and I, I came into this one place, and I said, hey, man, you know, I, I'm 18. I don't have much to offer. Everyone else has turned me away. But if you give me one shot, you know, I promise I'll prove you wrong. And if you don't like me, you could, you could, you could discard me, you know, just fire me. I don't care but I, I just need a shot first. And so it's like, all right, there's this guy, Matt. It's so funny, like, he made a specific request and it was kind of like he asked for you on paper. Uh, the school called me and they were like, we have this person who personally asked for someone your age and who is a guy. And I'm like, perfect, I'm a guy. I'm 25. So I went there right after work one day and trust me, 
when I got to Matthew's house, I was stink. I was just leaving my, my old job. I was wet, soggy, all of those things. But when I walked through the door, the first time I saw Matthew, it, um, my heart opened up. It took some time, but being patient with Matt was the key to really understanding him. And once I got to get a, a slight feel for who he is, after the first couple weeks, um, we kind of just, we were best buds. <laughs> we were best buds, we hit it off, and it was, it was amazing. Our days are special to me, because um, we get to do things that we love to do. Movies, uh, music, he sends me songs so I could, you know, worship more. Um, he keeps me in a safe place, um, and he, he's not judgmental, and that's what I like about him. Knowing him, little did I know, would, would transform me. And uh, soon after getting to know him and getting that well acquainted, uh, I, would, I would work Monday through Friday, you know, nine to five. And he asked me, he said, you know, is there any particular reason why your schedule's like that? You know, like, I'm like, no, not really. I just figured, you know, I could make my own schedule, but everyone works nine to five, you know? And I was like, all right, could you, could you possibly switch one of your off days so that we could, we could be together on, on Sundays? He's like, I, I kind of I want you to join me, you know? I want you to join me to, so we could go to this Bible study together. I'm like, okay, that sounds fun, man. Like, I mean, if it's with you, I'm, I'm down. We started going to this Bible study on Sundays. It was led by my best friend now, uh, Josh, Josh Slaughterback, and uh, a longtime friend of Matt's as well. Yeah, I would say I first met Matt Reardon when I was in high school at my uh, church. We were in high school ministry together. A year or two after Matt started coming to Koinonia that he showed up one day with Woodney. My first interaction with Woodney was, man, this guy's got a personality, like in a good way. <laughs> He's super charismatic, super uh, loud, um, but really fun to be around. Very quickly, it became Matt and Woodney. Like we, we wouldn't imagine uh, Matt without him. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm here and I'm here for Matt and that's what I'm here for. And Matt kind of, you know, nudged me. He's like, hey, man, you know, do you mind taking notes for me? And then I'm like, I, I, okay, if, if that's what you want me to do, I'll, I'll take notes for you. I don't, I don't mind. You know, it's, it's not that hard. And so, you know, I, I began to take notes for Matt. But the, the thing about taking notes is you can't really take notes on a subject that you don't really understand. So <laughs> this was me every five seconds. Every five seconds, I, I had a question. It was, it was so annoying to everyone because I mean everyone around me knew the question, the answers to the questions that I was asking, but I didn't. So it was like I'm trying to play catch up while taking notes for Matt. You know, this is all stuff that he knows, unbeknownst to me. As I'm taking notes for him, I'm understanding what's being taught. It was week after week after week after week of me unintentionally learning about Jesus because of the fact that Matt wanted me to take notes for him. I actually wasn't close to the Lord myself when Whitney came um, in our family. And so Whitney and I kind of at the same time experienced this like transformation. The Lord used my brother to minister to Whitney. And then really like I remember Whitney encouraging me in my walk. And it was kind of, you know, this ripple effect. And with Travis, um, it's been cool to see not just my brother being a person who like forces someone to church, um, 
but now my whole family has been able to surround him and just see him truly just like desire the Lord. Well, Matthew tricked me. He did. He said to me, we're going to Bible study. He did not tell me I had to do his notes, right? So when we get there, he nudged me. He's like, Trav, can you do my notes for me? And I'm like, notes? I don't even know how to do notes. And he's like, just try. You don't have to put the whole effort in. And that's what I did. I tried. And he wouldn't judge my notes. He would like enhance my notes. Just by writing my notes down, listening more, it opened my heart to wanting to experience the Christian path of life. So all of a sudden, they became immersed in a group of people and culture that they might not, or probably wouldn't have otherwise gone to uh, naturally, but became part of a group, and the group uh, loves on them and takes them in, and, and the Holy Spirit starts working on their hearts, and yeah, we've got a great set of pictures where they're both being baptized at the same time, and yeah, that was really special. I don't remember when specifically I decided to do it, but even before coming to City Revive, I remember deciding that I want to be baptized. It was, it was funny, it was a funny story because it was at the same exact time that Travis wanted to be baptized. And I walked over to Josh and I was like, Josh, I want to get baptized. And Josh was like, great, we could do it this weekend. And I'm like, no, we can't do it this weekend. I'm not doing it this weekend. I want two months in advance weekends. And Josh was like, no, if you heard the calling, you should do it. So we went to the beach, and it was very special because Woodney got baptized the same day as I did. You ready, bro? Most people underestimate me and I love to prove people wrong. To really start the kicker off, it's, 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 uh, what's unfortunate is that Matt was not born that way. Matt was born a very healthy baby boy and um, it was an unfortunate accident that led Matt to, uh, to be in his situation and to be 
to be handicapped to that degree. Uh, it was an accidental fall in his, in, his, in his backyard. He fell in the pool as, as a toddler, and uh, by the time they found him, he was, he was floating around in the pool, and they had to pull his unresponsive body out, and they resuscitated him. Uh, but he had been under so long, not breathing for so long, that there was parts of his brain that didn't, that didn't receive any oxygen. We, we were getting ready to go on a scuba diving trip, Paula was on the phone with people at church that were overseeing children's ministry and we were gonna be away and just arranging things. Uh, she turned her back, Matthew fell in the pool, uh, very quiet. It's not like in the movies uh, where you see someone thrashing around and she turned around and found Matthew floating. I received a phone call at work uh, that was terrifying and someone drove me home and by the time that happened, Matthew was being wheeled out on a gurney, um, and this little two-year-old body looked dead. It was numbing, the, it, it was shocking. I remember Paula just being um, beside herself uh, with, with fear, and, and uh, we embraced, and she cried out saying, I'm sorry, and, and went in the ambulance, and then they went away. July 22nd, what a wonderful day. Matthew smiles again. We were a new Christian and then Matthew had his accident uh, soon after. So it was, it was terrifying because we did not know, like Michael said before, we did not know if he was going to survive or not. And once we knew he was going to survive, now it was the reality of, okay, now, is he going to come out of it? Will he be able to walk again? Will he be able to talk and grow up like a, a typical, normal um, toddler? We, we lived in uh, the south of France for one summer, and uh, one of the cutest stories we have of these two guys is little ones. Paul, you'd go to the market every day in Europe, and you'd be carrying this, she'd be carrying the sacks of groceries, and Matthew's job was to hold the baguette, the long piece of bread. And, um, and people would smile at Paula. She speaks French and all this stuff. And, uh, and, and at this one particular day, they're, they're smiling at Matthew and, and Isabel on his lap so much. And she's like, what is going on? And looks down, and Matthew's eaten uh, a quarter of this big, long baguette. So there's breadcrumbs everywhere. And, and, and because? I was hungry. I was hungry, so I ate it. So, so yeah, yeah and, and so we just adapted, you know. Some of the hardship that I watch Matt go through is um, him realizing that as long as he's on this earth and going through his struggle, his handicap, he, he can't brush his teeth on his own. He can't go to the bathroom on his own. He can't go get a cup of water on his own. He can't cook a meal on his own. He can't go anywhere on his own. And for him to always need someone to do that, especially as a, as a young man, 
I watched him struggle with the frustration of sometimes I just want to do things for me or sometimes I just want to take a walk by myself you know but I, I can't someone always has to be there he he still has emotions he still has a desire for for a wife for for children for a family and that's something that may never happen for him. God, God can work miracles. And so I, I have no, no doubt in the fact that God is who he is today, forever. And I, I, I just, I watch him grapple with the reality that it's not gonna come to him as it would to me. He tells me that there are times where he struggles with what his purpose is and he sees that i'm trying to get a handle on mine he's helped me you know begin the purpose that god has had for my life but he he's watching something that he wish he had for himself his struggle is real like he will tell me what he's going through if it's not like god's timing because we all have that, those days where we want to know what God has plans for us. And he will definitely ask me, he's like, do you think you know what God's um, plans for me is? And I kind of always go back to the fact that you are already doing God's plans. You're already fulfilling God's plans. Uh, you brought me into church. You brought Whitney. And if I ever leave, you'll have someone else to bring to church. So you're making the world a better place by just being you. And sometimes he tears up. Sometimes he, you know, he freaks out. He wants to be better. He prays every day to be healed. And I pray for him too. But, you know, God's timing is not our timing. God's timing is on his timing. So I always tell him, when you get to heaven, we're going to have that race so whenever whenever we have our little time to talk we talk about like what we're gonna have in heaven you would think i would be the one to to console him or to tell him you know god could god could work miracles but it's him who tells me that you know i believe in jesus so i believe that in the end I get to be with the Lord and I will have a perfect body in heaven and this new body will be able to walk, jump, do flips and do all the fun things <laughs> my adrenaline junkie brain wants to do and it's like I, I have that hope. Matthew is definitely someone that longs for eternity and I think a lot of times it's made me feel uncomfortable because he'll say things like, I just can't wait to be in heaven. And you're like, oh, that sounds morbid. But I think Matthew has a perspective that we all could glean from. Because we picture, we're, pre like, we're pretty great. If we're normal without any like maladies or you know, whatever, we don't picture like the sweetness of like a new body. But like to picture that like one day, he'll just be like whole and like he'll be able to sing 
and talk and like dance even though he hates dancing. And like it's just such a um, gift. And I just think we don't realize that, that like eternity is truly like the goal. One of the things that brings me the most joy in ministry right now is seeing both Whitney and Travis now active in our church and in ministry. You know, to me, it's one thing for them to meet Jesus, to get baptized. It's something that's, that's so exciting we celebrate. But a, another thing to see them both living out their faith and now being a part of the church, it shows me, it encourages me and how real that was for them and how they came to Jesus and said, no, I'm not just turning to Jesus, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And that mission is, should you choose to accept it? When it came to uh, Matt being a part of my life, Matt coming into my life, it, it triggered something uh, for, for ministry in me. It triggered something that I didn't know was there, and God used my personality, and he now used what I knew and used what I experienced to teach students. Uh, and that started to develop this, this heart for what I feel like God has been building up in me for a while. And I started to feel called to ministry. And don't get me wrong, you know, I, I love life as a nurse. Life as a nurse is absolutely amazing. But there is there's a sense of, of fulfillment that I get when I serve in student men. There's a sense of fulfillment when I see students have that aha moment. It's like, oh, I get it, yeah. Being a part of high school ministries or middle school ministries at church to leading a ministry of my own, you know? I led the soccer ministry at another church for around three years, so I learned how to be, become a leader through just speaking to other Christians, speaking to other uh, non-Christians also, speaking to, like pouring into other people's lives. You know, if I could share the gospel with you, then that's a plus. But if you could share the gospel back with me, that's an even bigger plus. So, and a lot of people ask me if I'm a Christian and I start pouring into their lives by just answering their questions. I think it was overjoyed. I do not want to sound cliche, but it is the best word to describe how I am feeling about my two brothers from another mother. When it comes to how Matt works in a situation, even though he's, he's, he's basically like a prisoner in his, in his own mind and body, he's used that to leverage his connection to the one who cares for him. And the way that he leverages that is for him to care for them. But unlike us who can care for Matt here on Earth, he cares for us in a way that carries over into eternity. And seeing how he uses the position that he's in to 
not just love the Lord with not just his, his, his words, but his actions, but to help guide those who are with him if they don't already, to know the hope, the joy, and the awesome love that could only come from Jesus. I was in a dark place before I started working with Matthew, and I didn't know how to, see, to speak to people. So I would, have come, I would have came off being looking or sounding angry when I wasn't. But now it's like I speak with more love and kindness and gentleness in my voice that people are not scared of talking to me. People are willing to open up to me more than I'm willing to open up to them. And that just makes me want to open up to them. Knowing Matthew's um, limitations and just the mental toll that it must take on him um, really does often just bring a perspective that I wish I carried with me more. If I had to deal with that kind of like, what is happening? Why is this happening? Um, I'm sure that I would have multiple crises of faith. And to just know that my brother was always someone, I was kind of the one who it was difficult to bring to church. And Matthew, church has always been just home for him. It has always just been um, his refuge um, and just the place where to just worship Jesus um, is a joy for him. I think ultimately Matthew has such a trust in the Lord, even if he doesn't know it, to just say like, like he trusts his character, that he is good. Um, and that's why we worship. Jesus because we know who he is and I think Matthew just has such a like knowledge of who God is even again even if he doesn't even realize it um, to trust that he is exactly where he is today for a reason. The, the circumstances of our lives can be really really hard sometimes but um, God loves us so you know he just he wants to be there with us and for us to call on him. And you know, it, the, the simplest prayer is, Jesus, help, you know, two words. I just, I really need your help today. And uh, that can be in the midst of trying to not just be myopically focused at numbers at work, um, or it can be just a, a, a bad day with, for Matt and family, uh, but God wants to use each of us in our lives not to be monumentally special. He loves us monumentally and believes we are really special and just wants to use where we're at. Wow, well, thank you so much, Matt. Woodney, Travis, Paula, Mike, yes, we celebrate them. Thank you guys so much for sharing your story with us as a church. So powerful. And just a couple takeaways that I'm walking out of, of that with. First and foremost, man, evangelism is oftentimes about the little things. I love the way it all kind of played out where Matt was living a life that honored Christ and so when he invited them to his Bible study, they are like, sure. You know, they encounter Matt and they wonder, how does he have this joy within him, this purpose within him? 
It's just not something they're used to seeing. And so they go with him to this Bible study, and then, of course, Matt, in his slick ways, hey, can you take notes for me? I love how Travis put it. He tricked me, for sure. He tricked me. <laughs> Evangelism is sometimes it's just about living out your story, living out your life, and sharing it. So secondly, I think of the power of testimony. If I could finish that story of us down in Peru, that woman on the mountaintop or the hilltop uh, trying to sell us water, one of my friends on the trip, he finally, it finally clicked. And he walked up to her and said, hey, okay, I'll, I'll buy a water from you, but would you listen to me if I were to share the gospel with you? And I kind of clam up once again, like, oh, here comes another rejection, but her response shocked us all. She said, Finally, I've been following you around, listening to you share about this man named Jesus all the way up the mountain, and no one stopped to tell me about him. Can you please share him with me? We're shocked. And right there on that hilltop, she prayed to receive Jesus. And we're all confident we'll get to see her in heaven one day because of the decision she made there on the hill. And, and who knows what her life looked like from that point on. But the lives she impacted, the lives she touched. I think of Woodney and Travis, all the lives that they're going to impact around them, and they now have a spiritual grandfather in Matt. There's such power in testimony. And so I want to encourage us as a church, I want to challenge us as a church, who is in your life today who is hungry, is starved to hear the gospel? And they're looking to us to share it with them. They want to hear it. They're watching us live our lives and want what we have, what we experience. Who is that in your life? So I want to challenge us as a church to think and pray about that one person, inside or outside the church, that we could share our testimony with, that we could share our faith with, to share our story. Because there's great power in our testimonies. And third and finally, the... The way we close the video there, Matt's hope that he has in heaven. I often joke around with him, uh, hey man, you're gonna be the fastest person in heaven, that's for sure. And he's, he can't wait to play some sports, he hates football, so I tell him we're gonna play football together in heaven. My hope and prayer for every person here at the West Pines campus, those at the Cooper City campus, those tuning in online, that you have that hope, that you share in that hope, that we're not living for this world, but we're living for the next, that we get to spend all of eternity in heaven with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, together in our new heavenly bodies. Amen. My hope and prayer is that every single one of you shares in that hope. And if you don't, I want to give you that opportunity today to place your faith in Jesus, to make him your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're that person that's been starved and hungry to hear the gospel. You just didn't know it was the gospel you needed to hear yet until today. And so my prayer for you is I want to give you an opportunity to place your faith in Jesus for the first time this morning and then spend the rest of your life not just living for Jesus but looking forward to the eternity we have with him together and so here at West Pines and at Cooper City and tuning online if you're if you're listening I would encourage you just 
Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. And if you're that person, if you wanna pray that prayer, you wanna receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, I wanna lead you in a prayer. I'll give you the words, but make them your own to God because you have direct connection with him through Jesus. Make them your own. You don't have to pray them out loud, whatever you're comfortable with. You can even pray it in your mind, but I wanna give you the words to make your own in this prayer to God. Say, Heavenly Father, I recognize that I am a sinner, that I am in desperate need of a savior, and that that's you, Jesus. I commit my life over to you to follow you all of my days, to place my faith and the work that you did on the cross, that I might spend eternity with you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, I believe people put their faith in Jesus Christ for the first time today. Can we celebrate that together? Amen. Hey, church, we're going to go ahead and close in a song. So if you would stand with me, we're going to close today in a song of worship. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, you can email us at podcast at cityrev.org.